When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Pitch to Contact podcast, part of the Twins Talk Network. I'm your host, Ben Jones, and I'm joined by my co-host, John Key. John, how's it going, man? Good. Uh, I went to my first Twins game on Saturday, so uh, that was exciting, being able to experience some April baseball. Uh, it was actually a pretty solid weather for uh, for April. It was like 60 degrees out in Target Field, so um, couldn't complain. And of course, the Twins won, so uh, yeah, that was all fun. Nice. Yeah, I, I don't live in Minnesota anymore, so I definitely you know get a little homesick seeing Target Field and missing out on the opening day festivities, but the weather's been great. Uh, normally I don't feel that bad missing April games, but I, I know this yeah. weekend's been pretty good outside of the home opener. Yeah. I mean, even the home opener, I mean, yeah, I got moved, but Thursday was actually not bad weather in Minnesota, but Friday was a little bit better. So I can understand why they didn't want to pitch in 40 degree weather. Yeah, definitely makes sense. Uh, I definitely don't yearn for the days of the Metrodome though. I'll take cold outdoor baseball any day <laughs> over the Metrodome. Yeah, there is something nice about being able to actually see the sun uh, when you're playing games. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Well, as a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at Twins Talk Pod, where we'll be posting updates to the podcast, everything you need to know there. And also be sure to follow us, like us, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, uh, MySpace, wherever you want it. We're probably there. Don't quote me on MySpace, though. LimeWire. Uh, LimeWire, I believe, will be entering an agreement with Netflix soon if we keep on (laughs) keeping our numbers up. So all good things coming. Um, So today we're going to be going over uh, the last week, everything that happened in Twinsland, all the good, all the bad and everything in between. And then we have a few news and notes at the end and we'll uh, go from there. So let's kick things off. John, let's start with game one of the week against the Marlins. Yeah, we got to see the 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 first start for Tyler Molling, who obviously last year freaked us all out by saying he had shoulder injuries, and then no one could find out what was wrong with him. Took a million MRIs, and nothing was anything wrong. But thankfully, he's come back, and he did not show any signs of fatigue or shoulder issues. Velocities were all about the same as last year, which is good. The basically no indication of any injury there. Uh, the four-seamer looked really, really good. Thirty-five uh, percent um, called strike and whiff rate, um, and there was good pitch separation between his his fastball and the splitter. Um, basically, fastballs up, splitters down in a way, and uh, yeah, good good thing for him. the The one thing is like he the big thing with Molly over the offseason is you know, he went to drive line, uh, tried to get his slider to get to get it fixed. Um, but the new look slider didn't really get any whiffs, um, but at least it didn't lead into real, any real mistakes. So I think that's all you can kind of ask for sometimes in your first start. Yeah, I think with Molly, you kind of hit it already. But what Twins fans are on high alert for is that velocity, right? We saw it in his few starts last year uh, when he was healthy. He looked really good when he wasn't healthy. He was throwing 85 mile an hour fastballs. Right. And so mm-hmm. that's velocity indicator seems to be a good sign of where he's at. And so having the velocity back up where he's used to, you know, he's not up there throwing 98. He was never that type of pitcher, Um, but having it where it was at with the reds when he was really successful, it is a really big deal for him and his success going forward. Yeah. And lucky for him, he didn't need to necessarily have his a game because the twins decide to go all offense, which was great. 
Um, Max Kepler had the leadoff homer, which is I unfortunately probably his first hit uh, and the RBI of the season. Uh, he really struggled during the Royals series. A lot of people are doubting why why the heck is this guy batting leadoff? Um, and he finally got a homer, but then he also got hurt uh, running out of grounder. So he's currently on the IL. Uh, I think it was backdated to Wednesday, and Matt Walner is now up and taking his spot. Yeah, so he's on the IL. Walner's up. Uh, Kepler will be eligible to return the 15th, so six days from now when we're recording. Uh, it sounded like when it happened, it wasn't anything all that serious, but with Kepler hurt with Gallo dealing with some lingering issues. You know, we don't want to be running Willie Castro out there every day. And so Walner Mm -hmm. gets the call and Kepler gets put on the injured list. Yeah. Just uh, another opportunity to show some organizational depth. I mean, we've been, that's been a common topic this season. um, And I mean, the twins are actually dealing with some significant injuries now. And so it's, it's good to see that that depth is um, coming through. um, But it's also a little unfortunate that we have to be dipping into the minors to find some healthy bodies that can actually play for us. Yeah. We we've talked a lot about the twins depth and how important that is already, but it, it's definitely being tested early, right? With Kepler uh, now on the injured list, joining Jorge Polanco, Alex Kirilov, Royce Lewis, uh, and Gallo a little slowed down. He's not on the injured list yet. doesn't seem mm-hmm. like he's going to be on the injured list, but um, you know, that's, what five guys were projected to be opening day starters who aren't playing right now. Right. Uh, You know, if you count Buxton DHing instead of playing in center field, uh, there's a lot of question marks in the lineup. The good news is they're off to a good start. Regardless, they've had some good Mm -hmm. offensive games and things should only be going up from here. Yeah. Uh, Gallo, Larnick and Jeffers all homering in this game. Um, This team clearly has power and um, yeah, it's, it's still one of the most dangerous offensive teams out there, uh, which I think is, uh, something that we don't get to say a lot as Twins fans. So uh, glad that's happening. And then Carlos Correa also got a, finally got his first RBI of the season. He went two for 13 in that Royal Series. And it's been just a slow start in general for, for Correa uh, so far. Yeah, uh, he, he's definitely someone where he needs to get going, right? If the Twins are going to accomplish what they want to accomplish, Carlos Correa is going to be smack dab in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. He's looked like his, him old self defensively. Now he just needs the offense to come around. Of course, we saw this a little bit last year as well, too. He was pretty slow off the off the start, but he really got going as we got into the summer months and ended on a tear. Yeah, so good to see from him, and um, we'll see how that continues for, um, yeah, the rest of April. Yeah, so moving into game two then for the Twins this week, another one against the Marlins. Uh, after winning 11-1, the offense was nowhere to be found in Game 2, losing a 1-0 shutout to the Marlins against Sandy Alcantara, uh, the reigning NL Cy Young winner, and he really looked like it while he was pitching. He dominated through a complete game shutout. I think it was 98 pitches. The game was under two hours, and the Twins just never really looked comfortable against him at any point. Yeah, I think they managed to get three hits off him, uh, but yeah, Alcantara looked look dominant but the good thing i guess for the twins is that our starter kenta maeda actually looked pretty solid as well uh five innings three hits uh one and run but nine strikeouts uh he he did give up a homer to avisel garcia in the third uh but the slider looked really good um the splitter didn't look so great but it actually didn't look great last year either i was looking at some the year before actually 2021 i was looking at some of the underlying numbers and it was like the splitter wasn't actually a great pitch for him uh, so it's not that surprising that it wasn't super effective, but uh, the, the slider looked great. Uh, the only worrying thing about my of course, was that he left at the end of the fifth, like holding his arm. Uh, but later the twins said there wasn't really any injury there. He was just tired, um, just some fatigue issues. Uh, so it, it looks like he will be healthy to pitch uh, this coming uh, start on Monday against the White Sox. Yeah, so the, the Twins actually let him go into the sixth, which I was a little bit surprised by um, since, you know, it's his first real start coming off of Tommy John's. And mm-hmm. He's well removed from the surgery at this point. He's back to 100%, but still, you know, the first start, the adrenaline's running. So yeah. I, I was encouraged a little bit that the Twins felt comfortable enough to bring him out there for the sixth. Then, of course, mm-hmm. you know, he had to walk off with the trainers and all the Twins staff and fans held their breath for a little bit as yep. um, he did that. But yeah, he's not on the injured list. He looks like he's in line to start tomorrow. So mm-hmm. uh, all good things. And I think a healthy Kenta Maeda takes this staff from really good to potentially great, right? He yeah. he 
with nine strikeouts looked as good as he did in 2020 when he finished second in AL Cy Young. Yep. Uh, you know, I think it's well known at this point in 2021, he was never really healthy at any stretch mm-hmm. uh, during that season, never completely. And so if he can bounce back to even, you know, maybe not fully 2020, but 80% of 2020, you know, that goes from a good pitcher to a potentially all-star. And so that that's a really big deal for the Twins going forward. Yeah, I mean, this is a rotation that is built up of a lot of number two, number three guys. Um, and so, you know, like we mentioned, I think last week, you know, Pablo Lopez is a number two guy who, you know, because he was behind, you know, this the Miami Marlins um, behind Sandy Alcantara, uh, but he could easily be an ace uh, if, if everything, you know, works works for him. Maeda is our number five pitcher, uh, could easily be, you know, number three on any other team. I think that's just a luxury that we get to have. And um, I think it's going to be if everyone if everyone stays healthy, which, you know, knock on wood, we'll, we'll see if that happens. Um, this could be one of the one of the most dominant uh, starting rotations the Twins have had in a really long time. Yeah. And on that same note, then moving into game three, it was unfortunately another loss for the Twins uh, falling five two to the Marlins. But Pablo Lopez again came out and looked like the ace the twins believed he could be when they acquired mm-hmm. him. And that that's another thing where if Lopez is better than you thought, everyone else kind of gets raised as a result, right? Instead of a rotation compi- compiled of two, three, four types of starters. Okay, well, now you have a solid one. You have a bunch of really good twos, essentially. And that's a rotation that can take you deep into the playoffs. So Pablo Lopez came out and looked really good, like the number one the Twins needed. Seven innings, three hits, one earned run, striking out eight, only giving up one walk. His sweeper looked excellent. Uh, Nine whiffs, a 52% called strike and whiff percentage, and it was the highest usage among his five pitches, which for a new pitcher, for a new pitch that the pitcher just recently learned, that's a really good sign. He has confidence in it. The catcher has confidence in it, and it's been a really big weapon so far this year. Yeah, and the four seamer is also pretty good too. Five five strikes, uh, called strikes, and then five whiffs as well. Uh, the changeup wasn't as great, um, but honestly, like with two pitches working and uh, having a third that was like kind of there, um, just just a great start from Pablo. Um, can't can't really complain. Uh, the only unfortunate thing was that the bullpen ended up uh, kind of kind of messing up. Uh, it was weird because Jax came into the eighth. Gave up two quick singles, uh, and then got pulled. Um, Jax, like the first one, the first hit. I don't know. If, I don't know if you saw it, but uh, it was a changeup way outside the zone, and uh, Gene Segura like managed to get the bat on it, and Correa fielded it, but then he couldn't make the throw to first. Um, I, I don't know if it was Segura was just way too fast, or Correa wasn't able to get to the ball quick enough. Uh, but that was kind of like a weird sequence to get a man on base, and then. Uh, John Birdie kind of hit a fastball over the plate uh, and um, got on base as well. And then so they brought in Caleb Fieldbar then to face old friend Luis Arise in a lefty and lefty matchup. Uh, Arise eventually actually fouled out, I believe. Um, he had like a foul pop or something like that. And then uh, Fieldbar ended up giving up two runs uh, or four runs, two of which were charged to Jack. So uh, just kind of a, maybe the one blip from the bullpen so far this season um and it was two of the guys who you know you're kind of expecting to be really solid in griffin jackson caleb Fieldbar. um but well, it is what it is the the bats were again also quiet uh larnick's been really really good though um in in the second game of the against the marlins he was you know one of the the few players to get a hit um off sandy alcatara but then in this game he he managed to get an rbi and then uh kyle former scored on a wild pitch so just a I don't know, just kind of a weird two days for offense, but also it's hard to to, to complain when they're facing guys like uh, Sandy Alcantara and Hazel Cesardo, who are two really, really good pitchers. Yeah, that, that's true. I think the Twins were also, unfortunately, you know, the result of a few... The, the relievers got hit as the result of a few pretty bad calls from the umps. There was a few very clear strikes that uh, they missed, specifically with Jax, mm-hmm. uh, where... I'm trying to find uh, the actual account here from the ump scorecards account on Twitter, but there was a pretty sizable advantage given to the Marlins because of the calls from the umps. Oh, here it is. So 
according to Ump scorecards on Twitter, which I would highly recommend any baseball fan follows, uh, in this game, the Marlins got 1.12 runs as a result of the Umps huh. pushing things their way. Well then. So there there was um, a big missed call on a Jack's should have been strike that would have been strike three uh, that kept the inning going. And so um, just a lot of stuff going on in that game, kind of outside of the Twins control. Another example of that uh, with Jack's maybe just being a little bit unlucky is his FIP uh, for the week, even giving up those runs mm-hmm. was negative 0.09. His ex-FIP was Jeez. also negative 0.09. So wow. like this wasn't a good week. It was an elite week, literally off the scales for Griffin yeah. Jacks. That's kind of impressive. I didn't know that. Um... Yeah, a negative FIP. That's actually kind of incredible. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, if anything, it shows how elite of a setup man that we were able, that Jax is. Like, remember, he was like a middling starter, even, I, mean, I think, last year? Two right? two years ago. Two basically. years ago, I mean, for sure. Mid- yeah. Middling might be even a compliment. He, he was, <laughs> yeah, that's true. He was mostly an emergency call-up because the Twins didn't really have much else they could do. They knew yeah. he had the good slider, but... Just didn't have anything, and Swift's moving mm-hmm. to the relief role. His velocity's gone way up. His slider has gotten even better. He's mm-hmm. added a new cutter this year. That's kind of been a good in between as well to, um, you know, give him a little bit of a better pitch mix. Yeah. So, just uh, yeah, that's clearly evidence for a great, um, great week from Jax. It's just unfortunate that yeah, in this game specifically uh, against the Marlins, he he gave up those two hits. Um, yeah. So all in all against the Marlins, one really big game uh, where they won 11 to one and then two low scoring pitcher duels where, you know, they didn't get you know some luck in some cases. But obviously in all those, you got to be able to score a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've already mentioned Correa specifically. He needs to get going. Buxton's look good. Uh, Larnix look good. Miranda's had a few ups and downs. But, you know, all in all, not a horrible series. You run into some buzzsaws and Alcantara and Lizardo, but now let's move over to the Astros where the Twins had a little bit more success. Yeah, for the home opener, we had Sonny Gray on the bump. Uh, seven innings, four hits, one and run, one walk, and a career-high 13 strikeouts. So good for Sonny. Um, his previous best was 12. Uh, that was back in 2019 when he, I believe, was on the Reds. Um, I believe he was he was on the Reds at that point. Um so, yeah, his slider looked really good, um, got eight whiffs. The sinker was also really, really good, too. Got 50% uh, called strike post whiff rate. Um, his curveball was his highest pitch thrown. He was kind of relying on this curveball slider mix, uh, which is very interesting because last year he used a lot of his fastball, but his fastball was his third most used pitch um, in this start, um, uh, that being the four-seamer and the sinker as well. But I think this was definitely an improvement from his previous game where uh, you know, the, the underlying stats didn't look great, but he still managed to, you know, stay in for uh, for six innings. Um, I think six shutout, shutout innings in this game. He looked every much like the number one pitcher on the staff uh, dominated, uh, just just looked great. He had a he had some silly strikeouts with the slider. Like uh, there was one I remember specifically to Jeremy Pena where the ball ended up like at least a foot outside the zone and Pena just swung like he thought it was going to be middle middle. Um, so just, yeah, a great game from Sonny Gray and a great, great, uh, great showing for the home opener. Yeah. I, I think the slider's always going to get the big highlights, you know, these swings and misses that make hitters look dumb, but to yeah. me, what's always a good indicator of how Sonny Gray is doing is how that little two seamer sinker looks like, you know, mm-hmm. um, he loves to throw that on the glove side into left-handed hitters out to uh, right-handed and loves to paint the corner with it. When he has that pitch going, uh, he's pretty much untouchable. Uh, and you mentioned the first game we saw him this year, you know, he didn't quite have that command of the two-seamer sinker mm-hmm. uh, there, but when he's going really, really well, that's the pitch that you can key in on. Um, and he really had that in this game too. Uh, getting a lot of those called strikes from the hitters, which is really good to see. Of course, the other main headline from this game was home opener. Also, the Twins' first walk-off of the year, a walk-off single from Kyle Farmer in the bottom of the 10th. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so I was listening to this game on the radio in the ninth inning, and you know we had, I think it was Vasquez, Michael A. Taylor, and then Buxton up um, and just wasn't able to do anything. But then because of the nice ghost runner rule, 
Buxton was our ghost runner in the tenth. So it's nice to have a little bit of speed on the bases to start to start an inning that you need to score a couple of runs in. Uh, a little bit of a cheat code there, uh, but yeah, he easily scored on a, a single from Jose Miranda. It was it was not even close. Uh, but yeah, Kyle Farmer, the hero, uh, with the, with that walk off single. Yeah, I, I think with the ghost runner, there's a big emphasis on what happens with that first batter mm-hmm. and uh correa the strikeout in extra innings was that one of his strikeouts uh um, i believe so yep yeah e- either way correa was pretty bad all day right and so when you have yep. buxton on second there and correa striking out you know that that's a little bit of a disappointing way to start your ninth because if nothing else you want to make sure you get that runner over to third so that he can score on a sack fly from the next guy or a ground ball mm-hmm. or a wild pitch anything right so when Buxton doesn't advance. I think that's a little deflating. And then, of course, um, then, like you mentioned, Miranda scores and eventually comes around to Farmer, and Farmer is the hero of the day and wins the Twins' home opener, which was amazing to see. Yeah, it it was also kind of weird from Craig. I mean, I don't, obviously, he's a he's more than a year now removed from uh, being on that Astros team, uh, but he he struck out three times this game, uh, including that one in the tenth. Um, left five men on base. Just, uh, just a tough game for him. And, um, it, I don't think it's because oh he's facing his old team. That's why he's having these these issues. Um, I mean, we we see we saw these issues also in the Miami series and the Royal series. Um, uh, but yeah, like we like we said earlier, it's he it's taking him a little bit of time to kind of get going. Um, the yeah. other big news from this game though was of course um, Gallo leaving. Uh, with some right side soreness, um, he got replaced like in the middle of the game, and there wasn't really any news for you know why he left. Um, you know, we we didn't know if it was like a substitution reason or something like that. But ended up, yeah, he had some some right side soreness that he actually been dealing with um, in the previous game, but this game, it, but specifically at the home opener, he just felt like um, it was just getting a little, it was a little too much for him to to play through. Yeah, Gallo got removed with uh, no explanation, and Twins Twitter reacted very rationally, as I'm sure everybody <laughs> expected. No, uh, Rocco got called out on Twitter a lot. He's like, what? Why are you pitching? There were two guys on when he got yep, uh, yeah. lifted, and mm-hmm. people were freaking out because why would you lift one of the guys who's been the best hitter for Nick Gordon uh, right, in a yeah. series against the Astros? And turns out it was because it was an injury, and maybe the manager has a little more in- information than we do. Who would have thought? Yeah, just just uh, a tiny bit. Yeah. Uh, but Gallo is not on the injured list yet, which is good news for the twins. Uh, you know, they did have an MRI done today. Uh, and the report back from that was positive. You know, they didn't go into specifics, mm-hmm. but it's not a horrible scenario. He didn't get placed on the injured list. So I think the twins are hoping he can be back here in the next few days. Yeah. Um, and then also just a really cool thing was that the reliever group only gave up one hit over three innings of work. Griffin Jacks. Uh, John Duran and Jorge Lopez all did super well. Um, and Duran had two crucial strikeouts in the ninth. Uh, Jose Brew and Kyle Tucker to basically prevent um, them from having a lead at the end of the ninth and, and forcing the Twins to to have that uh, to cover behind at the end of the ninth. Um, and then, yeah, just ultimately, just overall a great great game for the home opener. I mean, sometimes you like blowouts, but walk offs are just as good. Sometimes it's 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 always fun to to have those games that build a little bit of excitement. Definitely. So moving then from a low scoring walk-off to a high scoring affair, <laughs> yeah. uh, game two against the Astros also went the twins way uh, with the twins winning nine to six. Uh, the big story of this game was Joe Ryan and Jordan Alvarez. Uh, mm-hmm. Joe Ryan pitched really well until he got to the third inning and just had a wacky beginning of the third inning. Uh, Gave up two quick singles to Martin Maldonado and Chaz McCormick. He walked Alex Bregman and then threw a fastball right down the middle on the first pitch to Jordan Alvarez that he hit out of the park so fast. It was oh my, insane. Yeah. I so I was there at the game. I was on the on the first base uh side. And um as soon as Jordan hit it, like you knew it was gone, but you didn't know like what trajectory it took. And it was like a straight line drive toward the flowered boxes. Um, it was, it was as soon as it came out the bat, I think everyone in the stadium was like, yep, that's gone. Uh, <laughs> oh, which was, which was really funny because at that point, the twins had a four Oh lead. Everyone was feeling great. Uh, and then, yeah, two, then three men, then Joe Ryan, lets three men on base. And then just, whoa, yeah. Jordan Alvarez. There's a, there's a reason why he's still one of the most dangerous hitters in baseball. 
he is insane. But yeah, that ball, I mean, if it was an inch lower, it would have bounced off the facing of those flower beds up there and yeah. maybe would have been a single. Mm-hmm. That's how hard it would say it would have bounced back in so quick. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, it was a grand slam, tied it up 4-4, you know, a little deflating, but luckily the Twins bounced back. Uh, but back to Joe Ryan really quick. Outside of that third inning, he was really good. Um, he only gave up one other hit outside of there. He had 10 strikeouts. He only walked one. Uh, and then with his pitch mix, his fastball looked really good, as good as always. But then interestingly enough, uh, after that grand slam, he started going to a lot more of his breaking stuff, his off-speed stuff uh, to throw hitters off. Christian Vasquez apparently saw something he liked. And, you know, it was kind of interesting to see Joe Ryan get success in two pretty different ways within the same game. Yeah, uh, like at the beginning of the game, his sweeper was so off. Um, And that's, I mean, that's, that was, I mean, that was kind of the pitch where, you know, we were hoping, you know, the the one knock on Joe Ryan, right, is that the fastball is great, but the secondaries aren't there, right? And so last year he had that slider that kind of worked and he developed it a little bit over the offseason to be a bit more of a, a sweeper, just, just more movement essentially um basically yeah just a slider with more movement and it was not very good this game until you know something something happened had, had a conference with christian vasquez between the third and the fourth inning you know they dialed in a plan and i guess that plan meant let's let's have a bit more even pitch mix right let's um maybe being able to uh trust in that sweeper a little bit more um because yeah, it didn't look good the first couple innings, but something yeah, something clicked for him after that third inning where uh, he got to locate that just a little bit better. Yeah, so like you mentioned, there was something that happened with Vasquez and Ryan that they liked something they were seeing from the Astros hitters that was going to work more with the breaking stuff, the off-speed stuff. It uh, you know it might have just been giving them a different look with how reliable Joe Ryan typically is on his fastball. Uh, you know that. Jordan Grand Slam was off a fastball. Granted, it was right down the middle, and so mm-hmm. you obviously don't want that. But maybe just going through the order, second, third time, they wanted to give the Astros a different look, and it paid off the rest of the way. Yeah, uh, that that sweeper is still going to be developed as the season goes on, and I think as he gains more confidence in that pitch, um, you know, it, it'll only get better. He'll know how to play off the fastball with it. Um, so. Yeah. Good, good to see that it worked out, and I mean, thanks to you know Dan Hayes of the Athletic who kind of pointed out that, um, yeah, he was throwing. He threw twenty four out of thirty four pitches in the first uh, three innings were uh, fastballs, uh, but then he had a much more even mix between the fastballs and the breaking stuff. Yeah, after that, uh, so uh, good on him for for pointing that out i mean sometimes you don't see that all the time in in just like reading savant pages or for me even being at the at the game uh you don't notice that all the time but um yeah it's good to see that they found they found a way to make it work out definitely on the astros pitching side uh i think we saw our first pitcher this year that was really struggling to deal with the pitch clock in the astros yeah. luis garcia Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a guy that famously took a very long time to deliver pitches. He had his little rock the baby motion. Um, I saw a bunch of stitches on Twitter of, hey, this player can make it all the way around the bases in the time it <laughs> takes uh, Luis Garcia to throw a single pitch. Yep. And so, you know, he, he's he's not known as the fastest guy. He threw a lot of pitches with zeros on the clock. Um, you know, he didn't have any crazy violations or anything like that, but mm-hmm. You know, with how off he looked while he was pitching, it's possible, you know, he was feeling a little rushed, more rushed than normal. Yeah, it was actually interesting when there was a runner on base, like Garcia actually looked more relaxed because he had 20 seconds to throw a pitch as opposed to 15, uh, which was kind of a a funny little uh, funny little wrinkle in that. But no, maybe uh, the twins just can't hit with runners in scoring position. Well, they actually turned that around in this game. Surprisingly, they went five for nine with runners in scoring position. Farmer followed up his game, the walk-off game, with a three-run homer. Uh, so Farmer's clearly, uh, clearly loves playing in Minnesota. Uh, it's, it's working out really well for him. Uh, but yeah, the Twins were pretty impressive. They only struck out six times, um, and uh, ultimately, you know, they they had their their offense was cooking. Um, it was kind of weird though. I thought that the the Astros brought in uh, Ronel Blanco, Blanco, I believe. Uh, in a one-run game, uh, and 
I mean, the Twins basically blew it open against Blanco. Uh, they they had a three on homer for Buxton for his first homer of the year, which was which was great to see. I think that one ended up hitting the second deck. I don't know if it ended up in the second deck, but it was it was a pretty big hit. Um, and uh, yeah, they, I mean, they had they still had Brian Abreu, Rafael Montero, Hector Norris um, in in the bullpen, but they just opted not to go to those guys. Um, they, I mean, those guys did pitch on Friday, so there is that. Uh, but yeah, in a one run game, it, it almost felt like they were waving the white flag, uh, and setting out Blanco, but, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it was definitely an interesting move. It's always, you know, curious to see how teams manage their bullpens this early in the season. And I think the twins maybe made a little bit of a questionable decision today on their bullpen, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll go over here in a minute, but, uh, yeah, it was very interesting to see Blanco come in that early with, you know, so little experience under his belt in the major leagues. Uh, you you mentioned the Buxton homer as well, his first of the season. It was great to see him get that. He's obviously been amazing so far to start the season, but uh, seeing him hit that first one out is always fun. I mean, that one's another one that got out in a hurry. Corey Provis, who was on TV uh, with Dick Bramer recovering from COVID, obviously we hope uh, Dick is feeling better here soon. But uh, Provis was doing a home run call and it was out by the time he even said that one's going and (laughs) the ball was in the stands already. It it got out quick. Yeah, it was 110 miles an hour off the bat. So um, that'll that'll get it done. Yeah, good to see Buxton hitting it hard. Um, uh, I mean, Jordan's Alvarez was 116, so it went out a little bit faster and it was like a straight line drive, too. But the the just the drama from that Buxton homer was was great because i think we were all just waiting for him to to finally get finally get uh, i believe homer 99 i think his uh, first yeah I, th- I think you're right i think he's one away yeah. from 100 yep so uh yeah great to see that power uh show up yeah so uh on to the final game of the se- of the series here uh tyler molly back on the mound and looked a little bit rougher this time around not horrible uh mm-hmm. just maybe not as sharp as he was in his first outing. So he went six innings, gave up eight hits, four runs, walked a guy. Uh, he did strike out six, but uh, weirdly enough, all of the hits were to righties, which is, uh, you know, completely reverse splits, not necessarily what you'd expect out of him. Uh, but he maybe just, maybe that's just a little bit of a sign that he didn't have quite a sharp uh, of a break on his breaking stuff as he normally does. Yeah. Uh, his, his fastball wasn't also located particularly well. It was a lot, a lot of stuff in the zone um, and like kind of in the middle of the zone, not, not higher in the zone where you usually like to put a fastball. Um, his new slider though, looked pretty good. Um, he threw it a lot more today, 39% of the time. Uh, and it was a little bit more balanced between his fastball slider combo. It was generating whips. So clearly I think he's, he's confident in the pitch and, and what it can do um, Yeah, after it not looking so great. In his first game, at least it returned some value in the second game. Um, just, yeah, unfortunate that he uh, gave up four runs to go along with that. Yeah. On the offensive side, I don't know if we have too much to talk about there. Only two hits. They got one run. Uh, Matt Walner made his debut. Correa got his first day off. But, um, you know, th- there just wasn't a lot of punch in the offense today. Uh, yeah. But they still got a series win. Uh, the last thing I wanted to mention about this game was some interesting bullpen decisions like I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, by the time they got through the sixth, Molly finished up. I think the twins were thrown in the towel a little bit. The offense clearly didn't have anything working. Uh, so they threw Jorge Alcala in there and kind of threw him to the wolves a bit. They let him throw almost 50 pitches uh, and just they really wanted to get through two innings. And I think maybe a little bit to his detriment, they probably should have pulled him earlier than they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it I mean this as weird as it sounds, you know, you know, like a four or one game, it if if you're gonna put in Alcala for that many pitches, you might as well just put in Cole Sands. I mean, that's just not the type of pitcher Alcala is, right? Yeah. He's a one inning mm-hmm. short spurts type of guy. Uh right. Bagan came in and cleaned things up, but again, this was them throwing in the towel with them not going Bielbar or Jax or Duran or Lopez or any of the high leverage guys. Right. Yeah. I also have a tiny vested interest in Cole Sands pitching because Darude Sandstorm is his uh <laughs> lockup music. So uh it would have been it would have been fun uh to have that play in the stadium. But um all right. Well, let's take a quick break and then we'll be back to you with some takeaways from the first week of the twins season. All right, and we're back. So 
let's talk about a few general takeaways from this first full week of Twins baseball. The Twins go three and three. They lose a series to the Marlins. They win a series against the defending World Series champs, the Houston Astros. Uh, you know, it's always good to end the week on a high note. John, what were some of your big takeaways? Uh, I think starting pitching is exactly as advertised. Um, everyone looked pretty solid. Molly did have that little bit of a blip today in, in today's game, but even then, like his pitches looked on. Um, I think Maeda is clearly a better number five pitcher than every other number five pitcher in the league. Yeah. I think that's just a nice thing to have. Um, and then even in the two, the two losses, right. Maeda and then Pablo Lopez, like the, the pitching was, wasn't the reason we, we lost, um, or the starting pitching, I should say, wasn't the reason we lost. Um, and so I, I think we're really seeing that develop into a strength. Um, and the other thing I guess too, is that the bullpen with, with the exception of, again, that, that one game, um, the, the one game with, with uh, the last game against the Marlins has looked really solid as well. Um, well, that and, I guess, Giovanni Moran on Saturday. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah it, it's looked great in terms of pitching, and I think it's it's cool that we don't necessarily have to worry about it, especially after last year when, you know, we're, we're trotting out Dylan Bundy and uh, Chris Archer, and then, you know, they're out by the fourth inning, and then we're just running wondering whether our bullpen can survive for the next, you know, five innings. Yeah, I think the bullpen was such a big question mark last year, but I don't think we talk enough about the impact the starting pitching had on the bullpen. Yeah. Uh, when Chris Archer is at 90 pitches through three innings, uh, I don't think there's many bullpens that can consistently look good with that type of performance. You know, you're running out Bundy, Archer, Devin Smeltzer, uh, you know, all the other kind of rotating cycle of veterans, uh, that came up from AAA last year. There just wasn't any solid pitching outside of Joe Ryan when he was healthy, Sonny mm-hmm. Gray when he was healthy, Bailey Olber when he was healthy, right? right. And so what, now they have so much depth that Bailey Olber didn't even crack the opening day roster. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really good position to be in, one the Twins maybe haven't been in in twenty years. Yeah, I. I really think that they, I mean, they legitimately have three guys um, that they can rely on in Jorge Lopez, Griffin Jacks, and and John Duran. Um, but then at the same time, like Caleb Thielbar is is really solid. I mean, he did have that blip um, against the Marlins, but overall, he's been he's been really solid as well. I mean, we'll see if Alcala, Moran, or Pagan could return anything. Um, Pagan surprisingly wasn't terrible this week which I guess is a plus, but it's not like we were putting him in situations where he needed to succeed, so to speak, very low leverage stuff. Um, But yeah, I think the pitching has been, has been really solid. Yeah. The, I think the guys who you expected to be good early in the season have been good. I think Jorge Lopez especially deserves a shout out uh, in the bullpen, you know, after kind of that shaky finish coming over to the twins, Mm -hmm. he's looked back in all-star form to start the season. And so that that's been excellent to see if you can count on Jorge Lopez and Duran and Jackson Thielbar, that's a good end of the bullpen situation to be in. Uh, I think with that group, they can maybe still use one more reliable guy to pick up at the trade deadline, or maybe mm-hmm. see Alcala develop back into the pitcher he was prior to his injury. Maybe Pagan stops giving up home runs. You know, that's definitely something that can come internally, but for now, I think the bullpen has been about as good as you could feasibly hope for. Yeah, so some other big takeaways that I wanted to hit before we move on. Uh, we mentioned it a little bit already, but Perea's got to step up a little bit. He has looked pretty bad to start the season, You know, not just um, not getting hits, but a lot of times not putting together particularly good at-bats. Uh, a lot of strikeouts, and you know that's just not what you want to see from the guy who you just signed up to be your real franchise player. Yeah, I mean, it's only eight games, but he is hitting yeah. below the Mendoza line. Uh, it's not pretty. Um, he is, he's second, uh, sorry, he's third on the team, tied for third on the team in strikeouts. Uh, and I, it's just, uh, it's just tough. I mean, he has like one or two games where he's been really, really good, but overall it's been, um, it hasn't been pretty. Yeah. It's all, it's always important to note. It's so early in the season. None totally. of this is going to yep. matter in two weeks, let alone in two months. Mm-hmm. Uh, Correa has a long enough track record. He's a really smart baseball player that I don't think anybody is reasonably worried about it. 
But, you know, when you talk about the offensive shortcomings, you have to start with the guy that's hitting right in the middle of your lineup every day. Right, exactly. They, they put him at the number two spot for a reason. It's because he is the best pure hitter on this team, uh, essentially. I mean, that that's what that number two spot's usually reserved for. So, um, yeah, it's it's tough that he's he's struggling. But I guess on the flip side, at least Trevor Larnock's having a really good really good start to the season. Um, he's tied for the team lead in, in RBI, along with Joey Gallo. Uh, he is kind of dealing with some strikeout issues, which was kind of one of the things that also plagued him his first, uh, first couple of years, uh, in the majors, but he's hitting really well. He's hitting 324. His OPS is 910. Um, he's playing at an all-star level. Uh, and I think that's, uh, that's something that you can really appreciate from a guy who was slotted to be the DH slash bench guy at the beginning of the season, but because of injuries, he's been, playing pretty much every single day and and really having a hold on that that spot definitely i think the other thing with larnick too is every pitcher knows that his weakness is the breaking stuff and this year you know i've at least seen i think a lot more patience and smarts with his at bats right he's looking for his pitch he's not swinging through the breaking stuff like he was so often last year uh you know he does have a nine strikeouts already but he also has six walks you know, he has a 16% walk rate, which is something that, um, you know, that's up there with, you know, top level of the league type of walk yeah, rate. That's elite. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, if he's striking out that much, if he can balance it with the walks at the end of the day, it won't really matter. And that's what he's kind of always relied on is that discipline. And this year, if he started to figure out or if nothing else, at least look for more of the breaking stuff, mm-hmm. uh, he's going to maybe not play this well, but he'll be a fixture in the middle of the twins lineup for sure. Yeah. And it's important to remember, like he was a first round draft pick in 2018. Um, the only reason why he hasn't really had more run is because he's just been injured. So yeah. um, it's it's good to see them starting off the season really strong um, and looking like a real contributor. Yeah. So now before we wrap up, we're going to do a little bit of a game. Uh, I have some way too early overreactions. So I'm going <laughs> to give John an overreaction. He's going to give me a score on a scale from one to 10. One being absolutely no way that's not going to happen. 10 being this is gospel truth. There's no doubt in my mind that this is true. So I have four <laughs> of them. John, you can give me uh, your answers and a little bit of your reasoning behind them. Sound good? Yeah, uh, let's go. All right. Number one, the Twins will have a top five rotation in baseball by ERA. For context, uh, at least prior to the game today, they were number one. Uh, scale of one to ten, I am gonna put that at a nine and a half. Um, nine and a half, dang. I, I mean, let's be honest, right? This is a team that is made up of a bunch of like we mentioned, number two and number three pitchers. A couple of them have the potential to be number one pitchers on any other team. Um. Assuming everyone stays healthy, I don't see a reason why they can't be one of the best rotations in baseball, one through five. Um, sure, there are better pitchers elsewhere, uh, but it it's going to be tough to find a rotation top to bottom that's better than the Twins. I mean, the Rays look really, really good early in the season. Obviously, they're they're on their uh, their incredible undefeated streak so far. Um, Milwaukee always has good pitchers, but even they're uh, bottom three guys besides Brandon Woodruff and um, and Corbett Burns look a little shaky. Um, Corbett Burns looks shaky too, but by himself. Um, the Yankees they went out and spent a lot of money on pitching, but they've been dealing with injuries. Um, injuries is really the name of the game here, and I think if the Twins manage to stay healthy, uh, they'll do really well. And even if one guy gets injured, you have Bailey Ober waiting in St. Paul to just come across the river and and. Uh, pitch for the twins and he he's not a minus at all so um yeah i i think it's definitely possible that uh that they're a top five rotation in era nine and a half isn't possible john nine and a half is this is going to happen i'm staking my name on it i yeah, put the money it. down in vegas <laughs> um yeah no I, I think i think i'm with you though um Injuries are the name of the game, but unlike some of the other teams, I think the Twins have a little more depth. They don't have maybe the top-end talent, but Mm -hmm. when you have guys like Sonny Gray or Pablo Lopez or Tyler Molly who have a history of injury, you have that depth, and the Twins have it. So they'll be good. All right. Way too early overreaction. Number two, Trevor Larnick will be an American League All-Star. Ooh. Um, I did say he was playing at an All-Star level. 
uh, because of his OPS. Um, if I'm on a scale of one to ten, this this feels like a three. Like it would be really fun if it happened. Uh, but I think by the time June July rolls around, he will not be the most important player on this team. Uh, he will I not be leading so. this team in. Yeah, oh yeah, we definitely hope so. Uh, he will not be leading this this team in uh, any probably meaningful stats. He'll he'll be a, definitely a major contributor. Uh, but I I don't think he's going to be an all star. All right, fair enough. Uh, I'm kind of with you there. I don't have a lot to add, so we'll move on to the next. Yeah, one. feel ha- feel free to prove us wrong, Trevor Larnick. Uh, oh. We would we would definitely appreciate that. And here's just a good caveat: anytime I say something negative or alluding <laughs> negatively to the Twins, I want to be proven wrong more than almost anything in my life. Yes. I want that to be wrong. Yes. All right, moving on to the next one. Christian Vasquez will be a more important signing than Carlos Correa. Now, some context with this one. Uh, Vasquez has gotten a lot of love for from the pitching staff in particular for how he's been calling games, how he handles the pitching staff. And uh, interestingly enough, he also has a 26.7% walk rate uh, so far this year, which is you know, taking away all the qualifiers, the third best in all of baseball. So <laughs> just some context for you. I mean, he has a better batting average than Korea right now. So um, true. Uh, yeah, he's actually tied with him in RBIs as well. So. <laughs> kind of funny um look i'm not going to say he's a more important signing than correa i think that would be ludicrous but to say that his impact on this team is less than correa's i think would also be incorrect because of how vital he is to that pitching staff um yes jeffers gets his run um but vasquez has been uh, like we referenced in in that start against Joe Ryan, he you know he was able to you know plot some do some mid game adjustments, um, and I think that when you have you know a, a World Series winning catcher in Christian Vasquez, he Huge understands World Series winning catcher. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like he knows how to call a game really, really well. Um, and so is he more important than Correa? I don't think he's more important. Is he as important as Correa? I would say that that's definitely true. Uh, because of how much of an impact Vasquez has on on the game. Um, yeah. I think a lot of the stuff with Vasquez, uh, it's the stuff he brings that's hard to quantify, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's no easy like, oh, he was worth this many wins above replacement on fan graphs, right? Yeah. There's nothing like that. I mean, you have catcher ERA, different things like um, those numbers, but at the end of the day, what really matters is how do the starting pitchers feel when they're throwing him the ball, which is just not something you're really ever going to be able to quantify. Right. And we don't know like other in-game adjustments that he's making. Yeah. Or if he's making pitchers. them at all, maybe yeah. it's all coming from the pitching coaches, you know, it, it, that's true. It's really hard to say, but mm-hmm. what what's your number you have on that? Well, if we're, if we're going with the original statement of Christian Vasquez is a more important signing than the Correa, I'm putting that at like a, a two yeah all right fair enough um okay final way too early overreaction sunny gray will lead the team in innings pitched (laughs) this one was fun uh i i think i think i'm like at a like a three again with this i hate to be giving low numbers to all these overreactions but uh I think the reality is like out of this pitching staff, I think Pablo Lopez is actually the one who's thrown the most innings in a season. Um, the, the thing is like all these guys have some random injury that will take them out for like two, three weeks. So if Sonny Gray does lead the team in innings, in, innings pitch, it means that he was healthy and on. And I guess he has looked the part. So, you know, I'm going to change. I'm going to, I'm going to put it more of a, a six. I think this is, put this is possible. Um, based on the way that he's been pitching the last two games uh, and seeing as everyone on the team has about the same injury risk, maybe Kenta Maeda just a tiny bit more or Tyler Molly just a tiny bit more. Um, but uh, yeah, you know what? I, I think I'm willing to say that, yeah, he he could finish this season with, with the most innings pitch on this team. Yeah, I think I'm a little more optimistic than you. I'm going to go like an eight. Hmm. Um, I really like how he's looked. I really like 
what he's been saying too, where he's like, I want to go deep into games. I want to get into the sixth, seventh. I want to face the order the third time. Now, Mm -hmm. obviously you need to put up the numbers to back that up like he did this week. Mm -hmm. But um, at the end of the day, I think it's about health and whoever stays the healthiest on the starting staff, who's going to throw the most innings by default because they're all pretty good. Um, And I think Sonny Gray in a contract year, he's going to be looking to make every start that he can to push himself and, I think he's going to lead the team in innings pitched. I'm not confident enough to go up to a nine or a 10, but I'll I'll put it at an eight. Yeah. I mean, right now, and this is a terrible stat to be looking at because there's (laughs) only been two games in the season and everyone was still kind of stretching out in game one, but for the five starters for pitches 76 and later, you know, after they've thrown 75 pitches, what do their stats look like after, after that? Um, Sonny Gray and Pablo Lopez both have pitched uh, two innings ish. Um, Pablo Lopez is perfect, basically perfect after pitch seventy six. Uh, he's had four strikeouts, no hits, uh, no walks. Sonny Gray has had two hits, two strikeouts, uh, but no runs. So both of them have been looking really good after pitch seventy six, which is you know usually when you're when you're getting to the third time through the order. Um, really, actually, all the Twins pitchers so far have looked pretty good after after that number but again it's a terrible stat to be looking at because we've literally had two starts everything that we've been talking about so far is a terrible stat to look at so <laughs> yeah uh, th- there's nothing meaningful you can draw from two starts for pitchers from nine games for hitters but we do it nonetheless because that's what baseball is all about baby yep overreactions exactly all right. Well, thank you, John, for participating in my early season overreactions. We'll do a few more as we keep going uh, throughout the season. But a few other news and notes we want to hit before we wrap up. The first big one being Jorge Polanco starting a rehab assignment, which is really big for a team like the Twins that could use a little bit of juice in the middle of the lineup. Yeah, I mean, he is the guy who you'd probably actually start in leadoff because he is that switch hitter. He can kind of adapt to whoever's on the mound. Um of course, in his one game so far, he went one for three, um, just just a single hit, nothing, no RBIs or anything. But you know what? I think it's for games like this, it's more important that he's just on the field and playing. Um, and so I think that's that's the main thing here. Um, it's, you know, I don't really want to extrapolate from any sort of uh, uh, minor league starts for many of our, our players as they're coming off a rehab assignment. But yeah, hopefully hopefully he is feeling good and, and able to make it up to uh, Minneapolis in, in a couple weeks. Yeah, that, like you were saying, the biggest thing is that he's playing, right? He's testing out the knee. We haven't heard anything from the Twins about how he's been feeling since playing in that game. But the fact mm-hmm. that he played in a live game, uh, I think, is a really good sign. Uh, he's eligible to come back off the injured list today, pretty much. And okay. so whenever he's ready... Uh, the Twins will have a roster spot for him, most likely. Uh, Willie Castro will be the casualty when that happens. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Polanco is somebody who, at his best, is a really important part of this lineup. I mean, frankly, even not at his best, like he was last year, he mm-hmm. was taking enough walks, he was driving in enough runs that he was still an important cog in the lineup. Yeah. And, you know, again, big Nick Gordon fans here. Um, <laughs> but he hasn't looked particularly great this season um at second uh not defensive wise just at the plate um he's only you know he's batting two for 22 he's batting oh man i don't even want to say this it's a little embarrassing but he's he's batting zero ninety one. like uh he's he's below half of the mendoza line um which which ain't great um so just having a, a yeah i I'm not saying Jorge Polanco is like, uh, you know, the, the best hitter we've ever seen, but he could probably bat better than that. Um, so just being able to get a little bit more more pop in the lineup too with um, with Polanco will be huge. Yeah. It just makes the lineup and the roles for the players on the Twins make more sense where mm-hmm. if he's starting every day at second base. Okay, Nick Gordon, you're our super utility guy. You can fill in at almost any position. Yep. Uh, you're You're in the lineup whenever we need you, probably two or three times a week. And mm-hmm. then you'll come in and pinch run for Carlos Cray in the 10th inning when the, he's the ghost runner, you know? And so um, it, it just makes the whole lineup make more sense and getting him back will be big for the twins. Of course, the other uh, big thing on the business side for the twins uh, was continued fallout from the diamond sports bankruptcy. 
um, as part of their first phase in moving into their bankruptcy. They skipped payments to both the Twins and the Cleveland Guardians, uh, which is a pretty hefty chunk of change for these middle to small market teams. Um, you know, maybe they're not getting as much from ticket sales as teams like the Yankees and Bali and Diamond Sports has clearly deprioritized making sure they get paid. Yeah, I think the numbers were like um, the Twins were like owed $42 million for this year. Like that's how much their broadcasting rights were, uh, which, yeah, that's that is not a small amount of money. Um, and Carlos Correa contract plus yeah. a little extra. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, as much as the, as much as, you know, Minnesotans are like, you know, hardy and, and whatnot sitting outside in a 40 degree weather in, in April is not the best way to spend a random Tuesday evening. Yeah, um, the, uh, like you mentioned the rights deals, it was 42 million for the twins and then 55 million for the guardians. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Something that's interesting about that that I saw pointed out on Twitter, I can't remember who exactly said it, but um, there was a recent report released on the most valuable franchises in baseball. Mm -hmm. And the Twins were at the bottom of the list. They're at 28, 29, somewhere way towards the bottom, way lower than you'd expect them to be based off of, you know, having a relatively competent team that's competitive. Mm -hmm. And uh, a big reason behind that was they got a crappy deal from their media rights last time around. And so as part of that, um, and I do have some sources on this one actually, uh, but a big reason the guardians, not the guardians, the twins were one of the teams that diamond chores chose not to pay mm-hmm. was that basically the twins weren't really interested in renegotiating a contract with diamond hmm. sports, with Bali sports okay. or their media rights going forward. And that predates diamond declaring bankruptcy. They were always looking at different routes, basically because they feel like they got screwed over a little bit in the initial negotiations and have hmm. suffered because of it compared to a team like the guardians. You wouldn't expect them to be getting 13 million more dollars for their rights than the twins. Right. Exactly. Um, I mean, I'll be honest. I'm excited about this only because as someone who lives in Minnesota, who doesn't have access to Bali sports uh, via TV, this might mean that the, the games will be available for me to watch on MLB TV. Um, of course, this you know sucks for the twins because they're they don't they're not getting this this check from from Bally. Um, sucks for people employed by Bally who are part of the twins broadcast as well. I, like it's completely up in the air what's going to happen with with uh, you know guys like Dick Bramer or um, Justin Morneau. You know these guys who you know call our games and honestly are really entertaining to listen to. Um, I just, yeah, not sure what's going to happen to them, but um, yeah, we'll we'll see how this all plays out because I believe. Um, they after they miss their payment, they've got ten days or something like that. Like that's the grace period to, um, to get something in, and and so we'll see what MLB does. Um, if they try to cancel that contract and then figure out a way to get the Twins on TV. Yeah, there's a lot of unknowns, a lot of legal and business information that's you know frankly way outside of our areas of expertise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we'll see what happens. But the one thing that the Twins have said themselves and all of the beat writers have reported is that there's not going to be any interruptions to the twins broadcasting in 2023. And so this is about 2024 and beyond and figuring out what the long-term plan is. You know, if, if you have volley sports, you don't need to worry about suddenly not being able to watch the twins. Mm -hmm. Let's hope. (laughs) Let's hope. Yeah. (laughs) Who knows? Cause like we said, it is outside of our purview, but at least according to the beat uh, reporters, that's what we've heard. So Mm -hmm. that's good. Um, All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Pitch to Contact. Uh, we're so happy to bring this to you guys every week. It's sincerely a highlight of my week, and I love doing it. Uh, thank you to John for joining me. Uh, thank you to Brian for producing us. We're so grateful for his help as well and his expertise uh, on the technical side. Uh, if you like what you heard, please like, subscribe, leave a review if you feel inclined to do so. And uh, be sure to check out our other work as well. Uh, if you want to see some more from me, you can check out Twinkie Town, where uh, we're covering every game, every transaction. My favorite thing that we do every day is our game threads, where it's just a bunch of Twins fans that get together and talk about the games on the comment section of one of our articles. It's a super fun time. So if you're interested in that, be sure to stop by. Uh, John, where can they check out more of your work? Yeah, uh, doing stuff on Pitchless got. Uh, podcast is still coming out every single week on fantasy baseball stuff 
Um, and then, I mean, I don't do a lot of writing for the site, but I do a lot of editing. So um, feel free to check out PitcherList for any of your fantasy baseball needs. Um, yeah, so uh, definitely check that out. And then if you're interested in what we have to say at all, I don't, I don't really know if you really do, but, you know, feel free to, to give us a follow on Twitter. Uh, my handle's at the John Kuh, and then Ben is at, uh, at Ben Jones underscore five. Um, and then like what Ben said, follow our, our podcast on Twitter at Twins Talk Pod. Um, and yeah, again, if you've liked what you heard, give us a five star rating, subscribe, follow, you know, on whatever social media you're on or whatever, you know, weird music listening device you are on at this point. Um, we might not be on your Walkman anymore, but uh, we're definitely on uh, your iPhones or Android phones. We I, have don't discriminate I have a 2008 iPod Nano and I can confirm you can get the podcast there. There so, you go. Technology anywhere, is still amazing. Still amazing. <laughs> anywhere you can get your podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back with you next week. Go Twins!